G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Foundations. Could you imagine them in a split second? You know when you know you hear people say that as they're facing death, they, their life flashes before them in yeah. a split second. You could imagine in a split second Abraham thinking, God, what are you asking me? Why would you do this? There's got to be another answer. Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. From start to finish, the Bible reveals God's desire to have a close relationship with his human creations. But there's one relationship in the Bible which is especially close, and it's the relationship between God and Abraham. So close, in fact, that God actually called him his friend. Yeah, you know, we've um, discussed in previous programs, particularly the subject of being a bond slave to Christ and, and realizing that we are slaves to Christ. We're bought, we're paid for, we don't belong to ourselves anymore, we belong to him. But then you kind of think it's a little bit conflicting because there are other places says that we're joined ears with Jesus or that we're now called the friend of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus said that to his disciples. And then, of course, there's the example, as you said, of Abraham. So what is it? Well, remember that um, just like the different names of God reflect that he has very different facets all the time, but he's all of those things at the same time, mm. all of those different characteristics. He's not just one and then another. He's all of those things. So we as well, we are bond slaves to Christ. We are his children. We are adopted into his family. We are joint heirs with Jesus and we are the friend of God. We are all of those things. Mm. And in various different aspects of our lives, those particular roles or relationship facets that we have come into play. So Abraham, yeah, called the friend of God. And it's actually, if you think about it, you've got the God of all creation and there is a human being, a fallen human being. He says, I'm your friend or you're my friend. It's quite remarkable. And so if you look at this particular relationship, it all sort of points to a particular event that took place in a relationship between God and Abraham. Okay, so if you look at the plans that God had for humanity, God already knew what it was going to take, and he called Abraham, and he led him to a particular point. It was almost like the pinnacle of the relationship between Abraham and God, and that particular event took place on Mount Moriah. That particular event started a ripple effect that has not ceased. It has literally traveled throughout the millennia of human history, has reverberated around the world, and it will continue until God's purpose and plan for humanity, which is his plan of redemption, is fulfilled and completed. And then throughout eternity, we're going to be celebrating that particular event. Mm. Of course, I'm talking about when God called Abraham to take his son, Isaac, and sacrifice him on Mount Moriah. Now, that uh, is from the story in Genesis chapter 2. We've talked about it before. And if you actually, well, you can't actually see it particularly in the English translations of the Bible, but in the Hebrew, it's not a command. God doesn't command Abraham. Like he doesn't say to him, Abraham, and that's when he calls out and he says, Hineni, or here I am. 
which I might add actually means unconditional availability. Mm. So that's what he, when when you see the here I am or behold here I am, he's saying unconditional availability. We'd mm. all like to put our hands up and say yes, God. Unconditional availability on my part, but yeah. most of would say, what's the conditions first? <laughs> you know, we want to know what yeah. the instructions are. Okay, so if, if Abraham says, here I am, and God says, "In it's almost like a request. He doesn't say, will you? He says, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. You, you can hear this emotion in this particular passage because at the moment this is pivotal for the Abrahamic covenant. We're talking covenant language here. Mm. And he's pouring this emotion and he says, take your son, your only son whom you love, and take him to a place, the mountain that I'm going to tell you, and there I'm gonna, you're going to offer him to me. Now, th- that is actually, um, as a parent, and you would feel this as well, you, you can't really get your head around that. You say, no, that cannot possibly be the voice of God because mm. God would not ask me to do that. Yeah. That's just too hard to try to comprehend. But anyway, he goes, he takes, Abraham sorts out the wood and he goes with his son. They have servants, but they get to the point where they leave the servants behind and they go up the mountain together. And of course, Isaac says to him, well, we've got the wood for the fire, but where's the offering, Mm. dad? Yeah. And that's when Abraham says, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Genesis 22.8. Now, there are um, a lot of scholars who believe that Abraham, after having years of developing this relationship with God to this point, believed that he was acting out prophecy because God had already promised a lineage through Isaac. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but at the same time, how is this going to happen if I've got to kill my son? Mm. He he understood the language of covenant, even if he didn't understand exactly yeah. the, why it was happening this way. So I guess Abraham either believed that God would provide an alternate sacrifice, or that He would literally raise Isaac from the dead. Yeah, it, well, it had it had to be one or mm. the other. It had to be. But could you imagine what it would have been like for Abraham to raise the knife above his bound son? Looking into his eyes, yeah. knowing what he was about to do. Yeah. So the question, you know, could you imagine them in a split second? You know, when you know, hear people say that as they're facing death, they, their life flashes before them in yeah. a split second. You could imagine in a split second, Abraham thinking, "God, what are you asking me? Why would you do this? Mm. There's got to be another answer." You, you could just imagine it. Yeah. And the pain, the pain that yeah. he would have been feeling, the trauma, the anxiety, the stress, the heartache, all of that. Yeah. And, of course, God says, no, stop, yeah. don't. Now, you, you ask yourself, didn't God know that Abraham would follow through? Didn't he know that Abraham would be obedient? Yes, of course he did. That is because God is God. But Abraham didn't know until the split <laughs> second that he That's was going right. to follow yeah. through. And you wonder, was he was he into child sacrifice? We've, we've discussed this before. Absolutely not. Actually, Genesis 22.1 tells us, why God did this. It says because he was testing Abraham. This was so that Abraham would know that he really, Mm. really, really 100% trusted God and his word. So here's where this friendship comes in. Because Abraham understood ancient covenants, if one person fulfills a portion of a covenant, 
the other person has to fall, has the same obligation. So if Abraham did not withhold his only son as part of this covenant, now God was obligated to not withhold his son as part of the covenant. And at that point, both understood the kind of anguish and pain and excruciating agony that the other felt at sacrificing their son. Mm. And, of course, it's on that very, very spot on Mount Moriah where essentially Abraham offered Isaac is that God offered his son, Jesus Christ, Yeshua, the Messiah, on the same spot, fulfilling and meeting the criteria of the Abrahamic covenant. You gave me your son, I'm going to give you my son, and that son is going to be for all the generations that come after you and those who are adopted in. And so that is why Abraham, quite honestly, could easily be called the friend of God because they'd they'd made this covenant Mm. and not withheld the greatest and most important and most sacred thing that they had from each other. They were friends. Yeah, and I guess that's uh, because in friendship there's there's an intimacy, and that's intimacy because there's transparency. And as you say, when when Abraham says, I know how God feels – God says, well, I know how Abraham feels. So there is that transparency that is in that relationship. Don't you find that astounding that mm. God could have such a close y- y- relationship with a, a fallen human being yeah. that they could actually look at each other and say, I know what you're going through. Yeah. And they really did know mm. what the other was going yeah. through and therefore they're now friends. And it might possibly be what Paul was even referring to in Philippians 3, 10 to 11. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain the resurrection of the dead. You know, we often like to think, you know, at times leading up to Easter during Lent, if I give up coffee or chocolate, that I'm participating in the sufferings of Christ. That really is not what that's (laughs) that's about. Abraham knew what it meant to participate in in God's sufferings. But when you respond to God and say, Hineni, like Abraham did, I am committing to unconditional obedience to whatever it is you're calling me to, even if it means participating in the sufferings similar to what you've done, we are also called the friends of God. That's a great study. And uh, as always, there's more in the notes. You can uh, read them online at vision.org.au slash foundations. Well, we did look at the word Hanini briefly in this program, and next time we're going to unpack it some more to find out why this small Hebrew word has such big meaning. This has been Foundations, a look at the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. For study notes, resources and more, see vision.org.au slash foundations. for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.